In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Only dead things drift downstream. So why don't you be in a living thing and go against the flow? It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Jim Ramos. I'm here with Dale Culver. I like to emphasize that you. It sounded better. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Yeah, that's good. Instead of we salute you. So I, I just want to change that. Are I we changing this? I don't know. I liked, I liked it better. We salute you, guy. Hey, you. You're the hero. You're in the arena, and we salute you. We should so, do that. You, guy. Do that. So No, that's dumb. Okay. <laughs> hey, speaking of dumb, I want to talk about something dumb. But before I do, I want to see if you have a man law for me today. I do. Uh my wife is awesome at this, and that is, uh, guys, you need to honor your woman in front of others. And this goes back to the principle that Jim's already talked about before uh, and about framing your wife, okay? And the thing is, is that we might joke around with people, but when we start talking about our wife super negative to others, we we could say, hey, I was just joking or whatever, but when you say that stuff and do it long enough, you start believing it, and then you yeah. start treating her like that. And yeah. so I, I'm really fortunate. When my wife is around other ladies, she does a great job of lifting me up and not making me look like I'm a Neanderthal idiot. Yeah. Um, and so I know that in front of my kids, I've been working on that as well since we've been talking about it, the way I frame my wife, the way I just want to honor her, and so that others look at her with honor as well. Yeah, I think that's so good, man. Shanna reminded me of that just the other day. I think I've been slipping in that area a little bit. She's working for us now as my executive assistant doing some part-time stuff and flight attendant. She's super busy. We're doing like a pseudo remodel on our house, and uh, there's a lot of stress going around. I found myself slipping back into that not framing her right, and that's been a struggle for me. That's been the greatest regret I've had as a married man is not framing her well over the years in front of my children. And so, um, yeah, that's really good, man. I appreciate that. So I want to go back to this really dumb thing. Today's podcast is a little different. We are going to target single men. Now, we usually don't target single men. We target men in the stress bubble. So men who are married, who are raising children, who are, who are working hard, these guys who are in the stress bubble. 
But today we're going to target single men. So this is going to be a little bit unique for us. And so for you single men, there is one thing that you should never say or do to your girlfriend if you want to have a long and sustaining relationship that glorifies God. One thing you should never do or say to your girlfriend. So Dale, why would I be targeting single guys? When we don't target single guys, we start target guys in the stress bubble. In your mind, how can we reconcile that without going off of our mission? How can how you have to cut and paste this one? How can we do this with integrity without experiencing mission drift? In other words, how can we do a podcast like this without veering off of our true north? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think because when you take and you are dating somebody and you move in with them. And you have kids in the situation. Well, you are in the stress bubble. Yeah, I mean, more so than normal. Which is which goes back to my my earlier statement. The one thing, guys, you should never say or do to your girlfriend if you want a long, a sustaining relationship that glorifies God is let's live together. Moving in with your girlfriend, asking her to live with you, which is a huge. Huge issue with this pandemic. A lot of couples in this pandemic are moving in together because it's convenient. And their their weddings were postponed, so they're already engaged. They're moving in together. And, and what I'm saying, guys, is this is a really, really bad idea. In fact, there's a very, very famous movie star, a guy named Chris Pratt. I uh, love that guy. He was uh, in uh, Jurassic World, I think, three uh, he was in that real cool uh, Parks and Rec TV show. Uh, he's an outspoken Christian uh, guy. I really, really like him a lot as an actor. He's just a cool dude. Anyway, he just got engaged to Catherine Schwarzenegger, Arnold's daughter. And he's an outspoken Christian. And as soon as they got engaged, they moved in together. And he believes that that's justified biblically. And I am here to say that's absolutely not true. And so I think mm-hmm. that's a really, really bad idea. And I'm going to go through why I think that's a bad idea. And I'm going to go through why I think it's a bad idea for a man to move a woman into his house. And you had said it earlier. You bring in this situation where you got possibly kids living in the house now because 40% of children are born out of wedlock. So now you have a guy who's dating a woman in the house with kids. And you know, the interesting thing, Dale, is one out of three girls and one out of seven boys are sexually abused, and it's usually by somebody living in their house who's not a dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you're you're creating a whole dynamic here that has a potential for disaster. But I want to go through a couple things. I want to unpack what I believe is why this is a horrible idea. But I want to unpack a couple statistics now that I think are alarming. So in a recent Barna study, he partnered with a better man in, in a book, and they put together this book called The Five Essentials to Engage Today's Men. We've had Tom Wilson on the show, who's the CEO of Better Man, who's actually talked about this. And there are, there are a couple statistics there that are very alarming. In this survey, they studied practicing Christian men that were under 34 years old, practicing Christian men who are over 34 years old, and then they took two similar surveys from just the general population. So yeah, practicing Christian men, general population, 
under 34 and over 34. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So only 37%. So only 37% of practicing Christian men, and they identified men who go to church, men who are committed to their faith, practicing Christian men under 35. So only four out of 10 think sex before marriage is a sin. And only 50% of practicing Christian men over 35 think that. So among when I'm putting practicing Christian men in air quotes, because for some reason there's a massive break between Scripture here. So these guys are believing in Jesus, but they don't believe in the Bible that teaches about Jesus. Does this make sense? Yeah. Are, am, I, am I off here? Am I being too legalistic or fundamental here? What well, are your thoughts? I think if you actually read the Bible, you would, like, <laughs> I'm serious, like, take the one-year Bible and read it, and it might change some of the things you do in your life. I think a lot of these guys are practicing their faith without practicing their spiritual disciplines. Right. And I think it's really hurting them and those around them. And so that's why we want to do this. We don't want to be condemning or judgmental. We just want to come alongside you and say, hey, you're doing something that's dumb, and it's going to hurt you, and this is not a good thing, and we're going to tell you why. And we, we've we already had two guys in the last month who were living with their girlfriends through videos that we've put out and different things have proposed to their girlfriends, and they're getting married because they've realized the error of their ways and, and, and the sin that's involved in the conflict that it's creating for long-term success in a marriage. Mm-hmm. That's good. 33% of single practicing Christian men under 35 are living with their girlfriend. So 33% of guys who say they're practicing Christians, so one out of every three, one out of every three Christian guys is living with their girlfriend. What's alarming is that that's the same exact amount of non-Christian men who live with their girlfriend. So Christian men live in a lifestyle that is the same sexually as non-Christian guys. If only Jesus said, be different than the world. I know. If only if only Jesus said, or the Bible said, you know, I've been crucified with Christ in Galatians 2.20, therefore I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. This life I live in the flesh... I live for the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Over and over again we see this, but but for some reason Christian guys aren't seeing this. Okay, so the Christian guys sexually believe the same thing as non-Christian guys, right? Okay, so here's some more stats. According to Pew Research in 2019, 58% of white evangelical Christians and 70% of black Protestant evangelical Christians believe cohabitating is acceptable if the couple plans to marry. So that's so you know they took and they just said, "Hey, we're going to go with black people, white people, and basically 60%, 70%. Those are massively high numbers that think, "Hey, it's okay. Go for it." Listen to this. The youngest American Christians are even more liberal on cohabitation with less than 10% finding it morally problematic. In other words, 90% of younger Christian people think sex before marriage is fine. 90%. In a 2012 general social survey, 60% of Christians between the ages of 18 and 29 agreed with this statement. It is all right 
for a couple to live together without intending to get married. So again, we have these massively high numbers in the church of people sexually being errant or not understanding the Bible. Here's one for you, Dale. The most recent national survey of family growth done by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention in 2019 found that 43% of Christians ages 15 to 22 said they are definitely or probably going to cohabitate in the future. So almost half said, we're just going to do it. It's it's not even a discussion thing. I may or may not have a boyfriend or girlfriend. I just think it's something I need to do. It's mandatory. I need to do it. So 43% think they're just going to do it. Hmm. Only 24% said they definitely would not. Definitely would not. Over two-thirds of those 29 to 49 had cohabitated at least once. This is insane. And 53% of practicing evangelical Christians currently in their first marriage cohabitated with each other prior to being legally wed. I would argue that the 24% who said they would never do it still might. Yeah. The right person comes along. Oh, but we We've love seen each this other. over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. So evangelical Christians, which basically that means somebody who's not a Catholic, right? But I think you could lump everybody into this especially those under 40, increasingly see cohabitation as morally acceptable. And most young evangelical Christians have engaged in it or expect to. So we've even seen this increase with the coronavirus pandemic. And so this is this is just crazy stuff to me, Dale. So here's what I think, just in my initial reaction, this is my gut level. You just punched me in the stomach with this statistic that we need to define what a practicing Christian man really looks like. And if you are a practicing Christian man who is unclear about what the Bible teaches over and over again about this topic, then you need to leave your church and find a church that teaches the Bible. Or you need to start going to the church, bro. You need to find a place that's going to teach the Bible and so you can understand what it looks like to actually live as Jesus lived and walked the way he commanded us to walk. Hmm. All right? So here are some reasons I think this is bad. All right? I've got... I have uh, I have five reasons. They all start with the letter C. All right? Because? Because I like letters. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> so the first one is consciously disobedient to God's word. So living together before married... If you're claiming to follow Christ, if if you don't care about God right now, if you're just driving to work, listen to this podcast, hey man, honestly, do what you want. You can make do whatever you want. But if you are saying, like I say, and like Dale said, did you cohabitate with your wife? What? Did, you yeah. did. You lived together? We were not practicing Christians then. Okay. Uh, I probably would have said I am a Christian, but she definitely was not. And yeah, I when was, you guys got I was married, a backslidden heathen. And when she, you guys got married, she made the pastor. She, didn't your wife tell the pastor if you mention the word God, I'm firing you? She had him say, "As long as you both shall love." And my grandma about yeah. died, so and we, then we changed that. And then I read, I did your your renewal vows, and, and we invited very, very, Jesus there. Yeah, it was very <laughs> honoring to God. So you lived together before you're married. I did not. My wife and I never even had sex before we were married. In fact, when I gave my life to Jesus, I went. Three years without even touching a woman. My so 
you know, even, and it was difficult when we were dating and stuff. It did get a little hot and heavy at times, but but I can say that with integrity. We never lived together. We nev- never had sex, and so consciously disobedient. So in Genesis two twenty four, at the very first wedding, God Himself performed it. He said this. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife in marriage, and they shall become one flesh. The implication there is in marriage. Mm-hmm. It was at a wedding. It was at a wedding ceremony that God said this. In First Corinthians seven one, the Apostle Paul, who never married, said this. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man should have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. In other words, he says, it, and he later on can, goes down here and he says, it is better to marry than to burn with passion. In other words, it is better to marry than engage in sexual activity outside of the marriage covenant, right? Mm-hmm. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, I love this verse, it says, Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. In other words, what this verse is saying is we honor God in the marriage bed, and we live, we we keep the marriage bed pure, as some Bible translations say, or undefiled by waiting until we're married to have sex, and once we are married, only having sex with our wife, Or right? That's what this is saying. 1 Corinthians 6.18, we read this, flee from sexual immorality. What is that? He continues, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body, because you have an exchange of fluids that are internal, right? So it's not just a high hand high five, it's like yeah. an, a, an exchange. Then he says this, "Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own, you are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies." I think it's pretty clear in scripture. Now realize I can go back and find 50 more scriptures like this. It is all throughout the Bible we realize very clearly that that sex is to happen in a heterosexual marriage covenant after the couple is married. To me, that is very, very clear. Okay, So so if you are cohabitating, you are consciously disobeying God's word. So if you're a Christian guy, that is the most blatant misunderstanding of Scripture or disobedience to Scripture. It starts right there. So that's my number one answer. Number two is cohabitation is a bad idea because it is a test for compatibility. Mm. Over and over again, we hear this, right? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we're compatible. I want to make sure it works. And what I would say to guys listening is testing the relationship creates a cracked or broken relationship foundation because the whole thing is based on compatibility and not commitment. Mm-hmm. Because I am telling you right now, if you are a man marrying a woman, you are not compatible. <laughs> <laughs> they are so different. Right. Now, 
it's beautiful. The pieces of the puzzle fit together beautifully because they are so different. So compatibility is not ever going to happen. I've been married almost 30 years, and I am telling you, we still are trying to figure out where the pieces go. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we are still trying to figure this thing out because we are different creatures. God made us so beautifully different, and we complement each other well. It's beautiful, the complementing of our our genders together, but we are definitely uh, not compatible. And the guys, people that I know that say, oh, we're so compatible, they usually get divorced. <laughs> because when the bad times sit there, go, whoa, this isn't yeah. how marriage is supposed to be. This isn't like Hollywood. No, it's not. Nope. Number three, people live together. Why do you think? Let me, I'll let you guess. Why do you think couples live together before marriage? You've, you've dealt with this a lot. A convenience. Convenience. Yeah. The third C. Good job, uh. Dale. So people get into this cohabitating program because it's easy. It's convenient. And and the problem is that marriage is never convenient. Raising children is never convenient. To to get into a relationship where you think, oh, this I just want to make sure that this thing is, you know, that, that hey, COVID hit and and our wedding got canceled, and it's just easier to do that. I don't know. For me, I'm not like, easier. No. You're and not then, in the training ground if you don't if you go straight for the prize. Yeah. So you might as well get married. So if you've passed all those tests, oh, okay, you're good. Get married. Well, and I'll tell you what, it's a lot more convenient to sin. Mm-hmm. And it's legal. It's legal for me to cheat on my wife. I yeah. will go to jail for that. But I don't do it because I want to honor God. It all goes back to that first one. We want to be obedient to Scripture. And so when we take convenience and we put convenience ahead of commitment to Jesus Christ and what the Scriptures say, we are on a slippery slope. Right. Okay. Uh, so the fourth one, the fourth one is this. And this is where, when I say this, guys kind of open their eyes and go, what? And It's the word compromise. But here's the compromise, Dale. They are compromising the woman they are called to protect. So this woman that's living with you may not ever be married to you, but by you bringing her into your home, you have compromised your future wife. And here's the bigger thing. But let's say this woman in your home with you right now, let's say you are engaged to her. Let's say you're you're in love with her and you, you're thinking about getting engaged and you're calling yourself a Christian. You compromise her because every time you go to church, you are parading her around like some woman that you are betting and not committed to. You make her less than who she is under God. You compromise her worth and her value publicly. It is a public compromise of the woman you're called to protect. Mm. This doesn't make sense to me. We are called to protect this woman, right? That's my calling, to protect my wife. But when I parade this woman who I'm living with around, you know, here's this woman I'm sleeping with, Here's this woman who's compromised everything to live with me. Here's this woman that's convenient. Here's this woman we're trying to see if we're compatible. It makes her look like less than. It's true. And that's already a struggle that women have, is being seen as enough or more than. So the very fact that you bring her into your home and parade her around the church because you're calling yourself a Christian now, right? You are compromising her. And man, that's the very thing you're called to 
to do is to protect her from being compromised. It doesn't make sense to me. Okay, the last thing I want to share, we'll, we'll let these guys, I'll, I'll take the choke hold off their throats. <laughs> well, I was just thinking too, and if there's kids in the picture, what are you saying about them? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to marry her, where's your commitment level to the mom and the kids? Well, how about when your kids become teenagers and they want to go out and start fooling around? And you're like, oh, yeah, you can't do that. The Bible says. They're like, whoa, 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 Dad. You did that. Right. How, you can't live with that guy. Yeah, Dad, you did that. Don't do as I say. Do as I do. Whoa, 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 Dad. Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, what you do speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you say. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand that. Hey, so I'm going to get into the last C, and we're going to stop choking these guys. We're going to take our hands off their necks here because uh, I know it's a little com- uncomfortable, some of our uh, our uh, uh, single guys that are listening to this podcast. Culture, number five, culture proves that cohabitation is a bad idea. If, if it's true in the Bible, culture should play this out to be true, and culture does. In psychology today... A new study by Michael Rosenfeld and Catherine Rosler found that there is an increased risk of divorce for those living together prior to marriage, and that living together before marriage was associated... Now, listen to this. This is interesting. It is associated with lower odds of divorce in the first year. So if you live together before marriage, you will have a lower chance of divorce in your first year of marriage. But listen to this but increased odds of divorce in all other years after the first year of marriage, which is what really matters, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I've, I've seen stats around that say that the couples that cohabitate will divorce at a rate of 70% versus a rate of 50% for non-cohabitating couples. Either way, culture proves that living together before marriage does not help you. So whether you think the divorce rates are higher or not, we can argue that all day. The bottom line is this. There is no cultural, social advantage to live together. But there's a deep, dark disadvantage when you as a Christian man decide to go against what the Bible says and compromise that woman who you say you love because it is convenient or you're testing the compatibility or you're going along what everybody else does. Man, you need to start swimming upriver, go against yeah. the current. Only dead things, guys, only dead things drift downstream. So why don't you be in a living thing and go against the flow? Anything you want to add, Dale? <laughs> this is It's just unbelievable because you and I did youth ministry for so long and to see where those kids are. And now as an older person doing men's ministry, I think back and I'm like, did we not teach this? I thought we did. We hammered this. And we and ham- you yeah. see where they're at, and it's like this culture is really just reprogrammed people. But we have a message that is timeless. Yeah. And so we're going to keep sending that message out there. So, okay, so here's what I want to do, guys. I'm going to give you some solutions. I'm going to give you three solutions Here are your boots on the ground. The first one is this. Keep doing what you're doing and pay the price later. So you can pay now or you can pay later, but boy, you're going to (laughs) pay. You're going to pay. Number two, get married 
ASAP. Get married. Move out of your house and get married ASAP. Drive down to the courthouse and get married. Just get married. Stop this, guys. Stop this behavior. And the third option is just move out and court this woman that you say you love. Move out. Do the hard thing. Do the less convenient thing. Do the thing that culture speaks out against. That also means no sleepovers. Yeah, that means no. We're talking. We're talking sex here, guys. Before marriage, we're talking about this. And and here's the deal, guys. Please do not hit us up at infoatmenry.org and tell us that you're one of the rare guys that is living with your woman and not having sex. <laughs> <laughs> No, really. Uh, really. No, no, I'm no, not. really. No, we're not. We're not having sex. Yeah, sure you are. Sure you aren't. Okay. Don't don't be that guy. Okay. The parents of evil is evil. Once we start laughing, it's a great ab workout for us. Like it's hilarious when guys say that. Like, no, no. And I go, dude, really? Really? And I then I'll start diving into some of these questions and they just they get fried A guys, right? And so anyway, guys, listen, hey, guys, we are here for you. We don't know many of you. You represent 122 countries or more around this world. But we are here for you to step into your best version, and you cannot become that man without radical devotion to Jesus Christ and what the Bible teaches us about how to live our lives. So, Dale, what's up next, man? Drive us home. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.